Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Book Reporters with Joe and Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Hey, Joe. How are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I feel like we just did this. I know. Seems like no time has passed. Well, 15 minutes have passed in our time, but (laughs) for the listeners, it's been about a week, maybe. Yep. But, yeah, uh... Yeah, um, it's good to talk to you again. How are you doing? Pretty good. It's uh, kind of a stormy day here, although it's the sun's out, but it's been pretty, pretty crappy. I don't know. Well, I mean, we had we How had that uh, we mostly had that here this morning. Yeah, oh. we had a a really nice day yesterday, and then. Today, it was like a washout with rain and storms. Yeah, but it's uh, it's looking good for right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a uh, fun thing about living in Ohio and Pennsylvania, we can talk about the weather because it keeps changing. Mm-hmm. So, uh Anyway, I'm excited to get into this episode with you. This is, I've been looking at our late episode numbers. This is our 30th episode, believe it or not. Wow, that's cool. We are into, I almost said triple digits, but that's not right. (laughs) So, no, we're 30 episodes in, so. That's so cool. Yeah, we're going to. And we're gonna it's, keep doing this as long as you, as long as you want to keep like doing it with long. me. What's that? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been that many episodes already. Yeah. Does it uh, feel like it to you? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I've done podcasts before where it was a struggle. Like we've done, with the exception of a couple of weeks ago, we've done an episode every week. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and one other time, but like we made up for it by releasing two episodes, so right in one week. So, but I mean, when we're doing an episode a week, I mean, we started in October, so it kind of fits. Right, has been that we're already to thirty, but I love doing this with you. So true. I know it's fun. Um, so I'll keep doing it as long as you want to keep doing it with me, and I don't give a damn how many people listen to us. <laughs> no, no. Some people listen to us, and we. I like doing this for them too. So thanks for sticking with us for thirty episodes. If you've been with us for that long, or if you're just yeah, finding my, us. My friend, uh, I was talking about reading last week's book to her, my friend Kim, and she said, uh, she said. You know, get back to reading your book, Slacker. I need the new podcast on Monday. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's uh, all right. Well, thank you, Kim, for <laughs> kicking us in the ass here. And uh, <laughs> but no, we got two books to talk this week. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. I know it's one on your you told me on your short list mm-hmm. for uh. 
with uh, the with the infinite the number of title, <laughs> the infinite number of titles on our reading list. This is on. Mm-hmm. There are certain ones that are on short lists, and this is right. one I just finished, and this is one that's on yours. So, and uh, yes. yours is one I have read already, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be a first. I'm going to be up yeah. first this week, but do you want to remind the listeners what your pick this week is? Yeah, in a little bit, I'll talk about The Night Shift by Alex Finlay, who's, uh, this is his second book, and it just came out within the last month or so, month or two. Yeah. And I read and that around. I got an early oh, yes. copy. I got an early copy nice. of the library, so I had read it. But cool. my pick... This week is Nine Lives by Peter Swanson. So here. Take it away. (laughs) (laughs) The synopsis for Nine Lives. If you're on the list, someone wants you dead. Nine strangers receive a list with their names on it in the mail. Nothing else, just a list of the names on a single sheet of paper. None of the nine people know or have ever met the others on the list. They dismiss it as junk mail, a fluke, until very, very bad things begin happening to people on the list. First, a well-liked old man is drowned on a beach in the small town of Kennewick, Maine. Then, a father is shot in the back while running through his quiet neighborhood in suburban Massachusetts. A frightening pattern is emerging. But what do these nine people have in common? Their professions range from on range from nurse to aspiring actor, and they're located all over the country. So why are they all on the list, and who sent it? FBI agent Jessica Winslow, who is on the list herself, is determined to find out. Could there be some dark secrets that binds them all together? Or is this the work of a murderous madman? As the mysterious sender stalks these nine strangers, they find themselves constantly looking over their shoulders, wondering who will be crossed off next. So, to start off with, this is... It's obvious, like, reading Peter Swanson's books, it's obvious he takes his inspiration for each book from like a different classic mystery. Like a lot of them have been Agatha Christie related, but this is clearly inspired by, and then there were none. So, um, instead, instead of these people being invited to an Island, uh, they are sent each sent a list with theirs and everyone else's name on it. Now, I am going to go through name each character and what their uh, profession or occupation is. Uh, Matthew Beaumont, a suburban father, is stressed by the complexities of family life in Dartford, Massachusetts. Jay Coates, an aspiring actor in Los Angeles, California, 
Ethan Dart, a singer-songwriter in Austin, Texas. Caroline Geddes, an English professor at the University of Michigan, lives in Ann Arbor with two cats. Frank Hopkins, a longtime resident of Kennewick, Maine, owns the Windward Resort. Allison Horn, currently living off the largesse of a married man in New York City. Arthur Cruz, an oncology nurse grieving the loss of his husband in Northampton, Massachusetts. Jack Radabaugh, a retired businessman recently divorced who has moved back into his childhood home in West Hartford, Connecticut, and Jessica Winslow, an FBI agent in the Albany, New York field office. So to kind of go through these characters, um, two of them, Frank and Jack, aside from the two of them who are both around 70 years old, everyone else on the list is like around their late 30s, early 40s. So, it starts off, um, Frank, who owns the resort in Maine, is the old man who is drowned on the beach at, uh, near the beginning of the book. And he had, in his hand when he died, he, they had found, he had been given the list with his name and everyone else's name on it and everyone else just sort of received the list in the mail. They, some of them kind of, some of them just like tossed it aside or like thought nothing of it. Just like, oh, that's weird. Um, but, uh, the next one is, uh, Matthew Beaumont is the father who is shot in the back. And, Jessica Winslow, since she got the list, like she, since she's an agent, she decides to, you know, investigate, you know, with her office, like, you know, I got this thing. I don't know what it is. It's kind of strange. But since she's an agent, she's able to find out that both Frank and Matthew have been killed. And so she is tasked with like trying to find everyone else on the list and you know everybody's eventually able to be contacted and so, so some of them kind of you know some of them take a series some of them just like brush it off but uh like some of the characters worth going through Jay Coates the actor in LA he, his first chapter in the book, he, there's something with his character that kind of, like, was eyebrow raising, where he is a, I guess, potential serial rapist or killer, as, um, because there's something where he runs into a woman either at an audition or somewhere else. And he goes through this, it turns into like the book you for a moment, the book or the show you, 
where he stalks his way. He finds her Instagram. He finds out where she lives and he's going to, you know, he has this fantasy about, you know, doing something horrible to her. But, so that's kind of a weird, like, what's the deal with this character thing going on? But, um, you know, other characters, Ethan Dart and Caroline Geddes uh, end up connect. They end up, like, connecting with each other, actually. Two of the characters connect with each other and form a bond and then a relationship, like a texting relationship. And, uh, but throughout the book, like, they, characters keep being killed off, you know, one by one. And, uh, about close to two-thirds of the way through the book, I say around 190, page 190, there is a bit of a twist that kind of, you think is going to take the book in a different direction. So, I'll leave it at that. But, um, overall, like, I did enjoy this book. There is one weird thing I took note of, is that this book is, every time, like, after someone gets killed, like, someone on the list dies, that's the end of a part, and then, like, each part is counting down, like, nine, eight, seven. And at the beginning of each part for the next one, it shows the same picture of the list. And it, it's just the same picture with all the names. And that's it. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't like have them crossed off or anything even. It's just, I just found that odd, just an image of the list with all the names. So I would understand it like after you know, whoever dies at the end of the previous part, at the be when on the next page, like, their name is crossed off the list, but that doesn't happen. So it's just something a little odd. Yeah. I found. It's like something it's a, a little, little odd I found with, like, the, you know, printing of the book, if you'll say. But, you know, overall, I gave this four stars on Goodreads. I I overall enjoyed it. Um, I know Peter Swanson has been... He's an author I want to... I probably, like, put higher expectations on than I should based on, like, the first two books of his I read, which I really loved. And him having some that I've kind of been a, a bit of a letdown. I mean, they've all been okay, but but I know like his previous one you were not a fan of. The Every, every Value Break. Right. I know. Yeah, I think I gave that two stars. Yeah, I know you weren't a fan of that, which I did enjoy that, but after hearing your review on my, I'm like, oh, well, kind of I can kind of see that now. So, <laughs> not to say you ruined it for me, but because <laughs> because you didn't, but it's one of those, okay, I get where you're coming from then. Right. It's just something I wasn't thinking about, but 
you know, overall, I it's obvious the inspiration he took from and then there were none with this book and there's even references to it like one of the characters in the book like and then there were none is their favorite book or it's one that they grew up on it's talked about how that character grew up on i think that's kind of cool that they're you know the author's not like it's like the elephant in the room to be compared to that so it's kind of neat to to bring it up in the book like yeah i know people are going to talk about this so i might as well drop name drop it in here just so we're all on the same page yeah but the other one that came to mind when reading this that is kind of similar is eight perfect murders did you read that yes so i mean that's kind of another one that appears inspired by agatha christie and pays homage to her and like old school mystery and Peter Swanson, he is an author who does that in his books. Like references, you know, like John G. McDonald is referenced in this book. He, like he, he, he has no shame in, you know, referencing like what's inspired him. Right. So. I would have to go back and refresh myself with Eight Perfect Murders, but I do, I read it two, almost two years ago, and I gave it five stars. I do remember telling people um, that I really enjoyed that book, but. Yeah, I think the premise. I can't remember how it ended, so. I think, I think I just, oh, I don't remember how it ended either, but I believe I remember the premise for that is a guy who owns a used bookstore. Um, is I don't know if it's another thing where he's on a list or something where he he compiled a list I think for his blog of his oh, favorite that's what it was he he compiled a list of like books about getting away with the perfect murder yeah on his blog and there's a serial killer going around acting those out yeah okay yeah but the people that are, if I remember correctly, the people that are getting killed are people that have some kind of connection to him. So that's where he's considered a suspect. If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. I I want to see like a spoiler-filled review on it because I totally forget how it ends, but I, I do remember recommending it to yeah. a couple of people. But I mean... The Kind Worth Killing, which I've talked about, is one of... At the time I th- I read it, I'm like, this is one of the best thrillers I've read in years. Or one of my favorite thrillers I've read in years. <sighs> yeah, that's that, still on my list. That's, um... It's I remember at the time thing, like, th- that was taken from Strangers on a Train. Um, Her Every Fear was the first I read of his. I gotta... That's one I want to go back to. Like, I don't remember... I remember it taking place like in an apartment building, but I don't remember exactly like what the inspir or homage or inspiration that book came from exactly. Right. Yeah, I remember really liking that book, but I also am a little fuzzy on the specifics yeah. with it because I think that was my first one that I read, and then Eight Perfect Murders was coming out like no, not long after. But. Yeah. 
But this overall was enjoyable and cool. I gave it four. I gave it four stars. So yes, yeah. Good, nice. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, and I, I still, uh, I, I do enjoy reading his books. I, I've only read three, um, even though the last one was wasn't one of my favorites. I mean. <laughs> I, I still think that they're like an enjoyable ride. It's just yeah. how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Cool. So for my book, I finished this one up not too long ago. As mentioned before, it is The Night Shift by Alex Finley. Uh, this is his second book. His first book, Every Last Fear, came out maybe a, a year or two ago. Um, and I really liked that book too. So this synopsis for every, every last fear for the night shift is the night was expected to bring tragedy. So begins one of the most highly anticipated thrillers in recent years. It's New Year's Eve, 1999. Y2K is expected to bring chaos. Planes falling from the sky. Elevators plunging to earth. World markets collapsing. A digital apocalypse. None of that happens. But at a blockbuster video in New Jersey, four teens working late at the store are attacked. Only one inexplicably survives. Police quickly identify a suspect, the boyfriend of one of the victims who flees and is never seen again. 15 years later, more teenage employees are attacked at an ice cream store in the same town. And again, only one makes it out alive. In the aftermath of the latest crime, three lives intersect. The lone survivor of the blockbuster massacre, who's forced to relive the horrors of her tragedy. The brother of the fugitive accused, who's convinced the police have the wrong suspect. An FBI agent, Sarah Keller, who must delve into the secrets of both nights, stirring up memories of teen love and lies to uncover the truth about murders on the night shift. Twisty, poignant, and redemptive. The night shift is a story about the legacy of trauma and how the broken can come out of the, come out on the other side and it solidifies Alex Finlay as one of the new leading voices in the world of thrillers. We can have... I just can I just say before you get into it, the blockbuster video in nineteen ninety nine that take that took me back right away. Yes, <laughs> I I know. As soon as I read that, I I can picture myself. We we didn't use Blockbuster as much. There was one called Hollywood Video. Um yeah. That we used. I mean, I know Blockbuster and and we went to them, but the closest one was um Hollywood Video. And then my mom actually worked two jobs back when we were growing up and one of them was at a video store. It was independently owned called Night Owl Video. Um and we would go there my mom Sometimes. worked at my mom worked part time at one two at one time. It was called Gone with the Video. <laughs> Did it have a be kind rewind? 
uh, like banner because I'm sure it did. Yeah, with a little owl. We had one with a little owl. Yeah. So my mom worked at a drugstore and then Night Owl Video, and we would go up there. It was only two blocks from our house, so we would go up there sometimes, or sometimes we had to stay there, like with her. Um, no, you know, childcare on evening times or anything, and um. It was really cool. So something like this, when I read Blockbuster video, I'm like, sold. Y2K, 1999. You like, I'm there. I remember it. It, it, it was just like instant nostalgia vibes. Um, and, and that was really cool. Um, I, so the story is told in, in, I, I believe it's all present day, but they do talk about the past i mean there might be some stories where like you know you obviously like know what happens but it's not told in parallels like 1999 today well, it's it, more told i do remember there were a few chapters that did go back to 1999 yeah too. i think it was enough to just like tell that story yeah but it wasn't like how a lot of books a lot, especially thrillers or mysteries, are told 50-50, like past and present. This, yeah. you definitely got the story from the the blockbuster murders, and um, you know there were like I feel like the story borrows from a couple real true crime, um, you know, murders that have taken place involving. Uh, like a specific place, like uh, Burger Chef, and the yogurt, um, the Austin yogurt the, shop murders. Yeah, immediately came to mind for me when I heard when I saw the synopsis. Yeah, so for true crime fans like us, you know, you you can you don't just get the nostalgic stuff from your life, but it also reminds you of certain true crime stories that have happened before. But um. Yeah, this story takes place back in, initially back in uh, 1999, and Ella is the survivor of the uh, blockbuster murders. And now she is um, a therapist, and she's kind of messed up a, a little bit, um, probably from the trauma of being the final girl. And in modern day, so she's this therapist, um, and this ice cream murder happens where, again, there's one sur sole survivor, and um, her name's Jessie, and she ends up, they end up talking to each other, and Jessie and Ella kind of form a, a bond between them while Ella is also working. And they're trying to figure out, are these two crimes decades apart linked? While this is going on, the main suspect from the blockbuster murders, he has not been seen since the day that they came to question him about the murders. Um, his brother is Chris, who is who following that there were allegations that um, their home life wasn't that good. Chris ended up in foster care. His brother's on the run. 
and Chris has a second chance at life when he's adopted into this, you know, positive family, um, positive upbringing, and he ends up becoming a lawyer, and he's a defender, public defender. All the while, he's still trying to keep tabs on his missing brother, who he thinks he found on the internet, and... there's a lot kind of of different roles going on in this book because we also follow the detective the fbi agent um keller as she's trying to piece everything together too now i i think this is referenced in the book well wasn't she a character in every last fear as well was she i, I didn't i don't is she it's been hmm. it's been a while since I read that book. Hmm. Um, let me see. But um, she is, like I said, uh, part of the FBI. She's pregnant with twins and working. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll I'll look it up. Okay. And she's trying to to see if there is a connection. So we kind of follow all of these people. Jesse, our, our survivor of today with Ella, our survivor of the past, um, the FBI agent, and then Chris, the lawyer who gets wrapped up in the case, the modern day case, which, um, was like, as soon as I read that, I'm like, conflict of interest. Your brother was the main suspect in a similar murder that took place 20 years ago. Um, and, and all of that eventually unravels too. But I feel like I, I saw some criticism with this book in that you get these nostalgic vibes, especially from people our age or older about you know, Y2K and, and um, 1999 and all of that stuff. And there's the, the actual book or, or the book as a whole is more present day. So people looking for that nostalgic twist are, are kind of left somewhat disappointed in that aspect. And I agree with that, but I wasn't necessarily like basing my whole book around it being the 90s either as much as i love that i i you can read from the jacket that you know something is happening in today's world and i kind of figured that that's how this story would be presented um some of my cons with this book um it, let's start with prose prose i had no problem reading this book it's a shorter book. It's just over 300 pages. Um, I felt like it was engaging the whole time. I didn't feel like it, it slowed down or there were any like pauses. I wanted to keep reading. The chapters were short. Um, and I don't think there was anything like wrong with this book. I would recommend this book. I think it was a good book, but some of my, some of the cons would be I did find it a little bit confusing um, keeping the characters together. I don't think there was an excessive amount of characters, but 
because you're dealing with the past and the present and how some people merge, you know, there would be parts where I'm like, who, wait, who's, who's Julia? Who's Jesse? Wait, which one is Ella again? Um, and I feel like some people weren't carved out as well as they should have been for me to remember who they were. Another con for me that would be why I didn't rate this book as high as I would have hoped is I figured out the killer pretty much on the first page that that person was mentioned. And I'm trying to figure out why I figured it out because as I've said, I'm no genius. I'm no Hercule Poirot when it comes to solving crimes, but I have seen it compared to a Riley Sager book that we've both read, but it didn't resonate with me when it resonate with me when I read that person's point of view. And it is in Goodreads. If you look at some of the lower graded reviews, you'll see where someone compares it to a Riley Sager book, which I don't want to name which one just because it, it may spoil it for some people to me. I, I didn't, but I feel like it, this book reminds me, at least the killer reminds me of another book. Hence why I figured it out so easily and I, I just can't remember which one it reminds me of but I hoped that I was wrong but just because I I figured it out early on I don't even want to give what page but it it was within the first 50 pages let's say which you meet every character by page 50 anyway but um I also found some parts to be a little unbelievable, as I mentioned before with Chris, who is a public defender um, wanting to be on the case for the ice cream shop murders, when even though he was adopted and nobody knows who he really is, everything comes out in court. And I feel like that's a conflict of interest, especially when you think that your brother was wrongly accused of the murder 20 years ago and the cops today, which would mean the public defender would know this too. The defense team would know that the cops are looking to tie these two murders together. Uh, I'm like that. You wouldn't be able to stay on the trial. Like the whole thing, if, if someone got convicted, it would eventually be overturned because of something that wasn't disclosed right from the get go. Um, but that, that does come to a head. That's not like an unresolved thing that doesn't get addressed eventually. The other thing is Detective Keller um, from the FBI, who's pregnant with twins. She does a lot of stupid things for being an FBI agent. Um, and I think putting herself in harm's way, being as pregnant as she is, I think she's supposed to be like eight months along at this point. And she's really getting into some dangerous situations which some of it is recognized at how like stupid quote unquote she is being, but I'm also like, this is, this is a made up story. Like this, this whole thing is a work of fiction. We don't have to make her some, like everyone calls her a badass and yeah, but like, it's also not like a fantasy role either where you, you kind of expect people to bend the roles. Like if, 
or like bend reality. Like if you're eight months pregnant with twins, I really don't think you're going to active crime scenes or like active. What's the word? Like an active situation. Yeah. Not even a crime scene where something has happened and nothing is going on. Like people with actual weapons and bad guys out there. So that kind of just irritated me. <laughs> reading it but it was such it was such a quick book and it's a in it i i believe it's getting mostly good reviews um i i looked it up to refresh myself i gave it five stars at the time i think if i hadn't figured like i said that always just kills me when like it just takes the wind out of my sails if if i can guess who it is and i don't we've talked about that before is that if is that fair to give the book a low a lower score because in the end i give this book three stars i don't think it's a bad book i reckon it's still a recommended read for me um and that's why i was trying to, to not be too harsh i think it's well written my quirks don't have anything to really do with the story itself because a lot of people loved her um a lot of people weren't weren't bothered by just the one of our lead characters having ties to you know the past murder but i don't know i there was just like there was a lot of of good still in it but i don't know if me figuring it out is kind of why i i think a little bit less positive about this I, I'm assuming di you didn't figure out the killer or any like before you, or did you have your suspicions or I had sometimes my suspicions. I just go along for the ride. Yeah, I had my suspicions, but I just like let it go. Yeah, I mm. sometimes I try and figure it out, and sometimes I'm just going along for the ride and just not really trying to like be a detective. Well, me, I think I naturally do this in like one trying to figure out who it is like that's just that's just the way i read things mm -hmm. like the way i read these kind of books is like who is it or how is it all I, going? What i guess i'm always thinking that but i'm not actively like i don't have pen and paper trying to figure things out but no i'm you just do like, wonder like who is it but well, I, I think as yeah. i'm reading i'm like i begin to suspect this character but then I, I'm reading about the okay. It can be this character. I, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just how I read it. I think, right. I think, I want to believe like that's how most thriller readers read these books. Um, right. Yes. I, I just, I don't know. I, I and and this wasn't my my guess wasn't. You know, sometimes I read and I have a couple people in mind. I'm like, okay, I think it's this one, but it's probably a little too obvious to be that one. It's probably going to be this. To me, when I, when it dawned on me, I'm like, this has to be it. Like I was, I was pretty confident early on and, and I, I did read the rest of the book thinking I'm going to be proved wrong, but there were no breadcrumbs mm -hmm. or like that person didn't get thrown into it where you're like okay 
they got me because now they're focusing on them. So it's got, it's not going to be them because we're only 70 pages in or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of a disappointment, but it's holding over a four star rating 4.04 with almost 12,000 ratings. So I am definitely in the minority with that. And again, I still think that it, I still recommend it. I, I can see why people like this book. Yeah. It just wasn't phenomenal to me. Oh. And also, update, Sarah Keller is a returning character. So she cool. she is the McReva of these books. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, she's gosh, a better character than McReva. Yeah. So, McRe- I, you know, I yeah. feel like maybe they should, he should put that on his books, you know, like a Keller number two or something in the series. That's kind of interesting. Well, I but... mean, some, some, some sites might have that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you think, you think, uh, when uh, Carrie Soto is back, comes out, Taylor Jenkins Reid is going one list as McReva number four. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's not if he If he's going to well, be in that book. but I wouldn't mind it because I'll be looking for the little Easter egg of McReva in it. But <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. We shouldn't call, instead of calling them Easter eggs, we should call them McReva's when we're doing a story. If there's something he's, you know, he's, I like just that. So, he's you know, he's, he just pops up and it, it just makes you smile. You're like, yeah, I got Reva today. Oh, that's great. I love that. I love how you coined that for us. <laughs> <laughs> we got Mick Reva. So what, do you, do you remember this book enough to, to remember your thoughts on it? Or? Yeah. I mean, I remember, like, really enjoying... I mean, it was a quick read for me. Yeah. And, I mean, I just remember... I think I... I think I suspected the right people, like, who Mm -hmm. was involved. But, I mean, I just... I just went along for the ride, and I was just... Mm -hmm. Like, kind of compelled by, like, the story and... That, you know, that, again, Blockbuster in 1999 took me back in. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, do you, New Year's Eve 99, do you recall what you, what that New Year's Eve was for you? I do. I was at my grandma's with my brother and our friend Jim, who lived across the street. We... I have a picture. I have to, I I don't know where it is though, but I I do have a picture from that night. We held up like what our favorite things were at the time. almost like a time capsule. And I remember like, I think I, my favorite band was the Goo Goo Dolls and I had my Goo Goo Dolls t-shirt on and it was very anticlimactic, (laughs) but I don't know if my parents were at a party, but there was, I mean, there was the, thing going around that a lot of people said where someone 
because it was Y2K, there was someone at each party who thought it would be hilarious, like, right at midnight to flip the breaker in the house and yeah. turn out all the electricity. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that happening with some people, but yeah. my, my New Year's Eve 1999 was uh, me and my, be- my best friend at the time, who's a... Uh, the name was Brandon at the time. Now she goes by Ashley. Uh, but they had a job working in this like nearby hotel who was doing a big thing for New Year's. And they were looking for like extra help to work just that one night. So I agreed to work with him on that. And then I remember getting to work around like maybe 11 a.m. or noon that day, uh, working most of the day, kind of getting tired out, and then, like, his mom, his, or, uh, their mom was the boss at the time, and, mm. like, she ended up letting us, I was going to stay the night at their house, so, like, she let us, like, just go back home, to their house so it was just us and we got back there around 10 30 or 11 just, they had just got american pie on dvd and we watched that <laughs> and around midnight we heard the fireworks and we're like oh it's midnight happy <laughs> new year wow so Hey, that's a real, that's a real, you know, New Year's that everyone, everyone was anticipating it. You guys were just watching American Pie. Yeah, we, I mean. your best life. We just didn't. You're like, oh, cool. I guess it's. Yeah, like nothing's going to happen. Right. And I, I do remember thinking nothing's probably going to happen. But what if? You know, and I, and I, we always went to my grandma's for New Year's. That was just like a tradition when we were young, probably because my parents would go to a party or something. But I do remember that year being just a little bit nervous. Like, what if something happens? I'm kind of not with my parents, but, um, but I was also 13, 14, something. So it was cool to be up and with my brother and our friend from across the streets and you know you're also just feeling kind of independent staying up that late like even though my grandma was there she didn't yeah she, she probably i think she even went to bed i don't think she stayed up but that, that's me neat. every year now like i never i haven't gone to like a new year's eve party and I'm turning 40 this year. I I don't think at any time in my 30s I went to a New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, that's me that like a lot a lot of times I'm in bed before midnight. Right. And I just it's not something I think about. Our our friends um they usually host one and it's very low key. It's not anything crazy. It's just at their house with a couple other people, but some years they haven't done it. And those are the years we don't stay up. 
I mean, I, I don't stay up to midnight anymore anyway. So <laughs> all it does is put me like behind the eight ball the next day. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, I wake up feeling lousy. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, the, back then was like when it was cool to stay up late and you wanted to and you felt like. Yeah, so when you were a cool. kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now, I, yeah, now it's not something I think about. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, oh, my whole day is going to be screwed up if I stay up late today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Do you have any more thoughts on the night shift? No, no. I would say if it's on your TBR list, still read it. But sometimes I'm cynical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, to. Two recommended reads this week, um, as is common most of the time on this podcast. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I know I'm excited for next, our next episode, because we talked about doing another, uh, joint discussion on a book, uh, one that just dropped the day we're recording this, we're recording this on May 1st and in the vein of this turning into a Kirsten Modulin podcast, we're talking about the dinner guests. We are K Mod Squad. Yes. Member. Yes. Um, whether she wants to join us for that or not, I don't know at this time. I could pose... I could put it out there to her if she wants to come back and join us, but um, either way, we will talk her newest release, The Dinner Guest. I am excited, yes. Me too. Um, Yeah, we both immediately got it and are looking forward to, to digging into that. It sounds right up our alley anyway. So. As her books, as all her books are. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, very excited with that. And, uh, yeah, uh, everyone, thank you for listening this week. And we'll be back yep. next week with another Kirsten Modulin centric episode. <laughs> yep, sounds so, good. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, talk to you later, Lauren. Everyone have a great yep. week. Bye. See ya.